Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to what is going to be an amazing episode. Absolutely knowledge-busting information coming at you. Um, Dr. Kirsten Lauritsen is back with us, and this is your second time on our show. If you want to check back on the previous episode, you'll just have to scroll down. I don't remember what episode it is. Garrick, maybe you can tell me during the show. Garrick's here also. And Dr. K, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be invited back. <laughs> oh, well, you obviously are a wealth of knowledge and everything you're working on now, it just resonates with kind of where a lot of athletes' mindsets are. Um, there's a lot of I mean, I typically don't put myself into the mainstream news outlets ever because it's like scary and depressing and uh, I don't like to do it. Garrick watches Fox News all the time. I don't I don't know why. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, don't, I don't watch I don't watch any mainstream news. I get all my news from real news, no bullshit on Twitter. Yeah, news is like through social media now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so some of the topics we're going to cover today are going to be for sure more around sports performance, um, some stuff that Dr. K has been working on recently. And I think we'll kick this one off with probably one of the more relatable topics that I've even experienced as a coach. And I can't wait to get your, your thoughts on this, but something I tell my athletes on the regular is you are what you think most of the time. And I think that that relates to feelings, to upbringing, and no matter how much good you do, you know, physically putting in tasks in place to curb hunger, weight management, um, you know, strength, whatever routines, if you don't feel good about it, and if you're stressed about everything, then your body carries a lot of that load and it doesn't change. And that's a great way to bring you in because I think that's what you've been focusing a lot on. So have fun and let us know everything we're, we should be thinking. Okay. Wow. That's a very open-ended question. Well, I think <laughs> the, and feel free to like, uh, if I say something and, and there's something you want to like me, me to expand on, feel free to, to, to guide me that way. But, um, so I think really, as you mentioned, we are what we think. And I, and I, that is quite literal and it is literally that way and i think we kind of brush over a lot of what our mind the role that our mindset plays in what we experience in our life um what's really fascinating about the subconscious mind and you mentioned like upbringing and all of these things is that it is developed really between the ages of 0 and 8 that's it really i mean we we obviously yeah, do build it. a lot more like beliefs and, and belief systems as we go into our teenage years and then there's many times where we create things like fragments and parts of ourselves because we start you know kind of battling and conflicting with things that we face and then if you experience any sort of trauma or anything that through anything like that throughout your life there's going to be added in bits on that as well but it's what's fascinating is that um, so much of what we do as adults is really based on those years of us between like zero and eight. Uh, and I, I give this as like a really great, a really good example uh, of how I look at where we're at now. And it, it tied back to when we were like zero to eight years old is that, um, you know, how in school we learn, we learn, 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 and then we get tested. Well, in life, what ends up happening is we actually get tested and then we are given the opportunity and or the responsibility 
to learn. Um, and that is kind of now how I've shifted and changed how I really see uh, when somebody has like a chronic health issue or is facing like, um, and putting, putting this maybe into like the perspective of, yes, obviously health, because athletes are usually very focused on health, but also in the perspective of like, if you set a really big goal for yourself, like maybe you want to uh, improve your, your PR, you want to be, uh, in, in the like 10 hour Ironman, you know, realm or, or anywhere in, in that phase, you've set a very, uh, big goal for yourself. Life will give you the test in order to relearn what you need to learn so that then you can get to that place uh, where you are the type of person that is able to accomplish that goal. Like you see people literally when they lose like a bunch of weight, you know, they, they will quite literally tell you that they had to become a different person in order to do that. So um, this is kind of how the, the sub, like I really am starting to shift how I'm looking at the human body uh, from a very holistic level. Um, and you know, when we, when we start talking about that, the, that we are our thoughts, uh, the, the subconscious mind is made up of, uh, a lot of like our limiting our belief systems, right? So limiting beliefs, uh, sometimes stored negative emotions, uh, and also then what we tell ourselves and those, those make up the thought patterns that we have. And then those thought patterns turn into our actions. So when you have someone who's like, I just don't understand how I always end up burned out or overtrained, or I just don't understand how I always end up like uh, injured or really fatigued, or I don't understand, you know, how this specific situation in life keeps happening to me, no matter what I do. <laughs> I, I think the the most, how, how many listeners right now have said, why is this always happened to me? Right? Like, I think yes. that's manifestation right there, you know, cause and effect. Yes. And that, that is because you have learned patterns over time that those same thought patterns happen that then are the, they, they are the patterns that are reflect reflections of what's going on in your subconscious mind. Those, those beliefs, uh, sometimes limiting, sometimes not. Um, but those are then what we, that guide our actions. And then we end up in that same pattern over and over again. So you have to go back and discover what it is that is underneath all of those things so that you can relearn new patterns and, and pass on the old ones. Uh, and, and that is one of the ways that we're able to kind of get to a new, a new place. So yeah, there's a lot yeah. there, but. I've got another example too, and this might relate to others. Um, and this is a pattern I have not been able to break for my entire life. I don't know why, but anytime I've had a relationship with anybody, um, specifically a, a deep, intimate relationship, wife, what otherwise, everybody always asks, how are things are going at home? You know, and then of course, when they're going well, oh, things have been going great. I just don't know why we fit so well. We've just been getting on better than ever. And to that same day, within hours, we'll, we will have a fight, like an argument over nothing. And I've read this in a psychology book somewhere um, and heard somebody talk, it might have even been Jordan Peterson, but he was, you know, essentially saying that we kind of cue ourselves up for these these patterns over and over and over, and we also have to create drama sometimes to validate what we've already said. And saying something over and over enough, kind of tricks ourselves into feeling like, is that real? What's the probability of that going south? So I think for mm -hmm. me, that's a pattern that I need to figure out. But that can happen with literally anything that we do or think more often, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh 
but my favorite saying is perception is projection. So um, what we what we perceive about life, again, is based off of our filters. It's based off of our belief systems. It's like, you know how when you walk, uh, well, actually, let's say we're in a we're in a conversation with people. And in that same conversation afterwards, you could ask each person what they took away from that conversation. And each one might say something entirely different <laughs> than the takeaway that you had. Well, what ends up happening is that each person is filtering all of that information through their own perceptions, their, through their beliefs, through their their um, emotions. And one person even might be getting triggered by something specifically. And then the other two are like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, like what's going on there? And what's happening is your your brain is um, is filtering through what you have created. Uh, and so then, so then, you know, when we say, and we get into, to, to what we're looking at as far as our life goes and then what we're projecting, uh, you know, in your conversations, right. Of like, oh yeah, everything's going well, well, you know, then later that day, your brain, um, will oftentimes get triggered by something, um, because it's looking for evidence of the things that you believe. Mm -hmm. So, um, when you change that belief, then your brain doesn't do that. It actually, and then we get the chance to rewire the brain. We get the chance to lay down new, new neurons, which is amazing because they used to think that you couldn't actually make new cells in the brain. Um, it's called brain plasticity. You actually rewire your brain and then you create these new pathways. And then through an integrated integration process, now you have a new pattern laid down. Um, and it's, just really wild to see because people people are they they are who they are but they become like better versions of themselves in a sense and they you know they it's it's cool to get to see what what happens and as for that point like you might be working on health but you see benefits in your relationship you see benefits in your work life you see benefits you know in other areas because this is going much deeper than just the like one problem or thing that you think think that you're facing right now and that's why I think everything we're discussing right now absolutely applies to the sport mindset, to performance, yeah. to showing up fit on race day. The biggest problems I run into with working with athletes sometimes is, you know, we run these major buildups. We've got a lot of confidence building through training. We're still reserving some for race day, but that race day, you know, some people just fail on the day um, for a number of reasons that they've mm -hmm. almost projected through their training program, whether it's lack of confidence, or if they have one bad session in the final two or three weeks, it can put a little bit of speck of doubt. So I think yeah, when you're thinking about how to prepare for a race, you know, and if you are one of those athletes who does have great training at all times, but on race day, it falls apart, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of advice and what do you think is some, I guess, homework these athletes could do to almost identify some of these problems that are limiting performance ahead of time, to yep. where they don't show up and make these same mistakes. Well, with a anything, lot. it's a lot. No, yeah, it's good. This is good though. So with with um with anything and with confidence, especially, it's all based on. Well, there's a difference between confidence and competence, right? Because you can have someone who ha who is very confident, um, but there are also with like very with like no experience but then when we are looking for competence it's it's a it's when you've combined so many different experiences that then lead you to 
being confident and you get the confidence along with that because now you've kind of overcome the the fears that happen but on race day especially i actually work with a lot of athletes around that that um fear the night before that keeps them up that anxiety that's like pre-race jitters that they can't sleep uh, I see it a lot uh, is what it's actually one of the the kind of pillars that I always make sure to ask about and look for when I take on an athlete, because I just want to make sure that they are able to get as best of sleep as they possibly can the night before. Although we know that, that it's this, it's the night prior to the night, the night before that is really where this, it's really important to get good sleep. Um, so that is just even one here. You, there's a takeaway. Here's one shift for your, for your athletes is that number one, it is the night before the night before <laughs> that is the most important for sleep. So if you aren't getting, um, if you're having a little bit of trouble dialing down that night before, uh, it's, it, you can, you can just tell your, your brain, like, it's okay. We're all right. We'll just, you know, figure out something to do to kind of keep ourselves busy, but we'll eventually we'll, we'll fall asleep and it's okay. Um, but one one thing to always do, especially if you are the kind of person that just notice that things are just always kind of falling apart on race day, is to just take a step back after race day and start writing down, okay, what happened here? What happened? Um, what what were the thoughts that I was thinking? What are the things that I've been telling myself? What's the the language? What's the wording that I've been I've been telling to myself all day long and leading up to race day? Because you know sometimes you'll you'll hear people and they'll say, "Well, I hope it'll go okay." <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> like I hope it will go okay too. But also like what when we're when we uh, inter like inject that self doubt there, right? Like it yes, I know that reality is, is that it might not go okay. And there might be plenty of things that might go wrong. But also when you start thinking like, well, the most likely things are going to go wrong because they've always gone wrong. Well, there's your belief right there, right? That That is the limiting belief that you're operating off of. And then now you're just continuing to create that and recreate it over and over and over again. So it can look like that. It could also look like, um, you know, and maybe this, this seems a little far-fetched, but I, but I do see it often is like, we, um, especially with high achievers and high performers, we oftentimes from a, a past, um, time frame. So when we were a kid, we learned that our, our worthiness and our, our feeling of deserve that we deserve anything is based off of our achievements. And so if you have something like that, as a belief, part of your belief system, whereas seeing it as like, you are worthy no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what you achieve or what you do, it doesn't really matter what it is. But if you have all of those tied together, then what can happen on race day is it, it's a, it's a heavy burden to bear, right? Like we want to then succeed because we want that achievement. We want that, that worthy, we we're tying into our self sense of self-worth. So then when it all falls apart, it really takes us down and then it it's just this negative spiral that continues on and on and on. So these are just like some examples of what can happen on race day that that and that I see often at least um, that are that are what their patterns that just need to be looked at and addressed. And then um, so takeaways would be definitely to just like list out everything that you possibly can because once you know and are aware of what the things are, then number one, you can find resources, get resourced up. That's what we call it, right? Is, is get resourced up, find the things that you can do to help 
shift those things. And then sometimes too, all it really takes is just taking a look at what did I write down? What are the thoughts I've been saying to myself and what can I, what can I do to shift that? And I can practice that during practice and training. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a good takeaway. Um, I remember hearing Simon Whitfield talk and, you know, he's Olympic gold medalist, all this stuff, but he just, he was speaking of his daughter's soccer game and how his daughter lost, but it was such an exciting game. And like the team scored in the last minute. And and he was like, man, I just love sport. And it's like, failure is a part of sport. Yep. And you know, that's, that's okay. That's part of the journey and you just have to accept it and get your, you know, wrap your mind around it. Um, and like, understand too, you can bring it back to what you're saying. Like, in a race, something is going to go wrong. It's inevitable. If you're racing for four <laughs> to 17 hours, something's going to get wrong. Something's yeah. going to go wrong. Jack and I always have this saying, like, you're going to get kicked in the dick. <laughs> but it's it's how you handle that, right? And if you have the right mindset going into it, like, it's going to go wrong, but it's going to be okay. I have, I've created, you know, I have these resources that I've developed to know how to handle this. And I have all these tools in my toolbox, so it's going to be all right. I mean, we've all been on the race course where we've all just spiraled and like one little thing and you're like, this is it. I hate it. I'm quitting the sport. Like, this is the worst thing ever. And then you stop and you're on the sideline. You think it's so bad. And then you see like the rest of the race going by and you're like, it really isn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. And then you're just really sad mad at yourself and, and so mm -hmm. forth. So. Yes, those are all those are all very good examples of things that uh, like you can dig into eat any one of those um, as far as like even even believing while it is this is also another piece, right, is like understanding what's reality and then what are we layering on top of reality. So I say this about like. I think training for an Ironman or business or if you're, you know, in business and an entrepreneur or whatever, it's hard right? Like it takes hard work. You got to work at it. You can't just like, you're not just, well, maybe, maybe some very exceptional people can just like show up and do an Ironman without a whole lot of training, but they're like, it takes hard work to do, to get, to do that. Um, however, if you then also believe that everything has to be hard, that everything has to be a struggle, it's going to be extra hard and an extra struggle on top of that. Right. So like, I, this is where, um, I really, I really have a lot of fun. I think working with people because you, you get to, to really get to witness and, and grasp all these big kind of life topics of that we, that we want like security and, and, um, Hey, I don't know any, I'm going to get off track, but those are, um, definitely big things to just keep in mind because like you said like if you believe also that there's always things that are going to go wrong there's always things that are going to be which is I, being a, a triathlete uh is kind of one of I, I used to say um it's just about overcoming and overcoming quickly right like you just have to adjust and adapt as quickly as possible to the things and the more that you do it the more you learn different ways to adapt and then you become faster at adapting and adjusting and making good choices um but also if you believe also that and have a a deep rooted belief that everything is going to go wrong or something will go wrong then your brain quite literally makes that happen which whether or not you want it to 
it will. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think this is a great opportunity to just kind of develop another level of understanding within what it takes to be successful at the highest level of the sport. And I think working with age group collective athletes or beginners, and then also having a lot of colleagues who are some of the best in our sport, the mindsets that I kind of really pay attention to are the ones that are successful and relaxed and they, they block out the noise. They don't allow social pressures to influence their decision-making a lot. I mean, there's, you can't always avoid it. But they just, they're not on Instagram scrolling at what their friends are doing and feeling like they're having FOMO. Like there's not a lot of FOMO for the best in the world in terms of training and who's behind the eight ball. They know what works for them. They stick to it and the confidence. And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, confidence over competence. But I think what you think about most of the time, if you're stressing about all of these things, if you're inundating yourself with all these opportunities to have mixed emotions, that's what you're going to experience on race day. So you need to practice more than anything, a resilient type of understanding of, yeah, you're going to go through hell on some level and your ver- version of it's going to be different than somebody else's. But overall, you teach yourself to constantly overcome. And then, like you said, how fast can you rebound? Can you be a bouncy ball? Or are you going to be a piece of putty? You know, that's really a, another good analogy I like to remind people of. So if you can bounce back almost just as high, then you haven't lost anything. You can still make, make it up in inertia later on. But when it comes to training those things, um, Dr. K, like, how do you think there are some triggers that we all have? And there's some, I guess, patterns we develop. You know, I guess it does come from that early in stage life to where we need validation. We need to feel good from X, Y, and Z to feel accomplishment. But as we're trying to change and repattern, you know, our psychedelics, a good way to repattern our identifying triggers, you know, how do you recommend athletes now to kind of fix some of these major issues? Yeah. Well, here's the, um, so yes, there's a lot of different ways actually that you can, you can shift, um, your, your beliefs, but first and foremost, whether you do, no matter what you do, you have to have some sort of system or way of, of becoming aware of them. So what I, what I, what I give my, as like a a thing to do, like tasking is to kind of take a step back. And it's almost like you're collecting data about your life. Now, when I work with people, I just talk to them in a conversation and I'm collecting data while they're speaking. And it's telling me a lot about, okay, well, they just said fear. They just said they get frustrated. Oh, they just said they get sad. Oh, they just said they they feel guilty about whatever. So like I'm collecting a lot of data as far as like what they, what they're thinking, but you can audit yourself. You can audit your day. You can audit your uh, week and you can start looking at how am I interacting with my day. Um, so if I find myself feeling like that workout, um, wasn't very good, but I'm feeling that way a lot, well, that's going to give you some data there. Uh, if you find yourself having a really hard time, uh, recovering and actually like taking a time, like time to rest and you can't find, you cannot sit still. (laughs) You feel like you always have to be doing something. That's data. 
because that's going to give you uh, an insight into what's going on as far as your patterns and what you believe around those things. Um, additionally, looking at what what's triggering you, what are you venting to people about, right? Like, what are you feeling like you need to like offload? What are you feeling like it's getting you all worked up and uptight, right? What you mentioned, um, a, a lot of the elite athletes, they're very calm. Well, part of getting to that place of being very, very calm is looking at and digging through a lot of these different like beliefs and things, uh, these emotions and, and, and processing them, integrating them. Uh, and, and th th through that process, you end up taking your nervous system from that fight or flight sympathetic state that I think people are hearing a lot about right now to more of a parasympathetic state, which is where we have a lot more creativity. We have a lot more um, recovery. We we rest, we heal, we digest well, which is also really important. Um, I think so many people have digestion issues and part of it is just because they're stressed out of their mind <laughs> and they're like loading things on top of themselves and they can't seem to figure out why they, you know, continue to have digestive issues. Um, but if you keep doing more and more and more and your body's like, Hey, I need to actually take a break. Uh, you know, that's, that's the outcome that you get. So. Well, real quick, I think the digestive issues are just terrible in this country. Anytime I travel and there's like an airport bathroom it just sounds like a war zone some i don't know yeah. how folks are existing with this level of <laughs> dis discomfort or whatever it yeah. must have before they got to that level man yeah yeah gut stuff we we can talk about that too um so I'll, I'll come back to the gut piece really quickly, but I just want to wrap that up. So once you have the awareness piece, right, of like, okay, I know these things are are probably triggers for me. I And the thing too is always take a, a, a position of curiosity. So you don't want to judge yourself when you're trying to figure out what's going on here. If you If you find yourself often stressed with your kids, it's okay. <laughs> You know, like, don't feel guilty, like try Well, if you do feel guilty, even then that's another layer, right? To like, be curious about like, oh, that's really interesting. This is bringing up a lot of guilt for me. So, so you can see how we're, 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 instead of judging it, we're, we're taking a step back and saying, and being very, very curious about our experience, because in each of those places, they're going to guide you on a journey to what you, what those next layers are that you want to, to dig into. So then once you've done that, um, then it, it's up to you how you want to resource up. So some people will find, um, I, you know, I, I teach parasympathetic nervous system tools to all of my patients. Um, and if you're in any of my groups or any of my courses, they're there because they are so vital to helping people get out of that sympathetic place so they can gain some perspective on their situation. And then that now you see all these different solutions that Previously, you were only focused on the like one solution that could possibly be the thing. <laughs> and there's so many more that are available. And then, yeah, so some people do plant medicine. I would say if you do decide to go that route, just make sure you have some sort of coaching to help you integrate afterwards, because especially those experiences, they can um, change your entire world on a dime. And that can be very jolting. So just just recommend not just doing that willy-nilly and making sure you have some support that's in, that's um incorporated with that and then like what i do 
And there's a lot of different ways that um, people work with the subconscious mind. So you can see um, certain therapists work a lot with the the subconscious mind, like EMDR, things like that. Uh, and then I practice, um, I'm master certified in something called neurolinguistic programming, which has its own, um, you know, some people hear that and they have their own preconceived notions of what it is. But essentially what you're doing is you're just using language and you're listening to what the person has that's going on. And then we we use a way of getting into the the, the subconscious mind to clear out where they created that, uh, as I said, between zero and eight years old usually, but it can be other times as well. Wow. And you um, relearn something new. So those are that that's to round out your question there. Um, and, and the, the really big piece of that is making sure that you also are able to integrate it because you want to make sure that, as I mentioned previously, you want to rewire the brain. So, you know, when you, when you start choosing to, well, okay. And here's the other thing. It, it seems a little bit hard to do, I think at first, but you're always making choices. You're always making choices. You're choosing to think a certain way. You're choosing to do a certain thing. You're choosing a lot of things. Um, even I say this a lot because it comes up a lot because I work with a lot of people who've gone through a lot of hard things, but um, life oftentimes happens and does things that are not great. They're not great. They're pretty awful sometimes. And it's not that um, I don't. I don't ever say that I think things were were meant to happen or any of those kinds of things. Cause I think that can feel really gaslighty and really awful uh, mm. when you've been through something really tough. Um, however, it is our opportunity. It is our responsibility though, on how we choose to move forward. So if we like, when we are dealing with a lot of things that keep us in like a victim mindset, right. Things keep happening to me. Like, I don't understand why this keeps happening to me. I don't understand why, you know, this is always my outcome. It is also your opportunity, it's your responsibility to dig through all the stuff that came up from that so you can heal and then be able to move forward to what you do want. Um, but I I think we oftentimes get stuck in the the uh cycle of like, gosh, I just I just don't understand why this this is happening. Uh and that um it's because there's a there's a lack of yeah. accountability in a lot of yeah. common thought process it's somebody else's yeah. fault it's been imposed upon you yep. uh, i didn't do this because you didn't tell me so i think i see a lot of blame on every side of the conversation happening and a very little accountability and i think that's right. why we're talking about this in relation to sports and to yep. you know for what we do you need to be personally accountable for your program not being what you thought it was or your results not being to the level that you set when you initially started because how easy is it to say, I want to do this in nine months. And then in eight weeks out, you've just forgotten how it felt. You've talked about it so much. You've exhausted that dopamine that goes along with that feeling because you've just boasted and you haven't done. So I think that's yeah. why this is a great topic for any athlete, because you, these feelings, these, uh, these processes that we all just live with that we don't even realize sometimes that are causing a lot of anchorage to our process. These yeah. are, these are tips that you help people with on a regular basis, reprogram. Um, and I think that that's the coolest, most expansive thing about this is the body is a finely tuned machine, but we haven't even really touched on what the brain can help the body accomplish until we get through the, the fog and the noise that we've created. 
Mm -hmm. Yep. I I call it taking a top down approach, but then also a bottom up approach. I think you, you, the looking at the body holistically to me means addressing both the mental body. So the thoughts and the things that you have looking at your emotions, how are you using your emotions as a guide or are you just finding yourself wrapped up in emotions a lot or just ignoring them completely? (laughs) Just pretending that they don't exist. That's the best yeah, right. I I was that way. <laughs> like, I went into my first um my first session like training where I where I learned um what I do now, and I I said my my coaches love to tell me that tell this back to me, but they were like, you came in and you were like, I don't do emotions. <laughs> not my thing that is just not my thing um and and what a world opened up to me when i realized that um that doesn't work very well so anyway yeah (laughs) yeah all of those things apply so much in terms of your wellness your ability to to kind of fix the the problems that i just mentioned everybody having at the airport with gut stress gut health intestinal longevity like um, Garrick, I mean, I'll give you the floor to just kind of dive into maybe some personal experiences after what you've been dealing with if, as much as you're comfortable sharing. But I think that there's opportunity for others to kind of have a, a lot of relativity and maybe shed some light on some things that we can all find the solutions with you. Yeah. If we want to go into a bit of a case study. Um, so, um, let's just start with myself. I, uh, so I used to race always at like 175 to, to 180. I'm six foot one. Um, that's kind of always, I, that was like that five, six years. Um, eventually, you know, I was always around that weight racing as a elite athlete. Um, and I had two big surgeries in 2020. Um, I was on a, a bunch of medications and not exercising that much. Uh, because it was, they were both hip surgeries and, uh, my weight went from what was probably about 175. Well, I know it was 175 going into the surgeries. Uh, and then within four to six months, I was at 215. Uh, and this was back beginning in 20. So it would have been the final surgery was at the end of 2021. And ever since then, I think I have dipped below 190 once. Um, I've worked with a couple of nutritionists. I've done the, the way my food track all my calories uh, as best as we can. Like we know, um, it's, you know, it's still a gas, but track heart rate across swim, bike, run, lift throughout the day, have an activity tracker on me. Um, um, and we were at a caloric deficit, fairly substantial caloric deficit. Um, every time we tried it and, um, my previous blood work, um, I did not get free tea, but testosterone levels were, were good. And, um, um, TSH was, was low, was on the low end. Um, and so we haven't been able to figure it out, but one thing is that I can, when the off season comes, I put on weight fairly quick and I can, I can drop that weight that I put on fairly quick. It's once I hit that like one ninety barrier, um, you know, and it's not that it's not muscle. Like it's, it's very visibly not muscle. Well, we can say that I've never, I haven't had a DEXA scan or anything, but, um, yeah. Well, and quick, I've never Garrett, attacked. 
Yeah, go ahead. I, I wanted to, I, I mainly wanted to put you on the spot and bring this up because this is common amongst a huge athlete load everywhere, you know, putting on weight, taking off weight, getting in shape. How does it stick around and how do you, as an, as a current high performer, maintain fitness with a couple extra kilograms you'd like to get rid of. And I think that's why I wanted to bring it up. So thanks for, you know, giving us a deep dive, but obviously there's a lot of questions, um, as Dr. K will now probably nail you. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. In terms of training, training's good. Like I peaked last year, I was able to peak at 30 hours a week, uh, fairly consistent. Sleeping is good. I sleep eight to 10 hours a night plus three naps a week. Okay. Three naps. Uh I like it. Got some free time. Okay. Uh, (laughs) When, when you're asleep, are you waking up at any time at night consistently? Uh, I've cleaned up my sleep quite a bit. So using the eye mask and everything, I would say very infrequently do I get up. um, Sometimes it's just to pee, but I, uh, yeah, I sleep decently well. Okay. Um, and that like on this call, probably not something I like, we'll, we'll have time to get into, but, um, if you look at, uh, do you have any sleep trackers? Like the, I don't know any of the, the no, watches I have or never, things. I, I've never actually tracked my sleep. I've just known like, well, I wake up feeling good. I don't. So. Great. Okay. And then do you have any dips in energy throughout the day? Um, during work days. Yeah, I'll hit a lull around two o'clock when I'm in the office, but Mm -hmm. um, that's been slightly improved. But yeah, the two o'clock is is when I'll hit it for sure, if I hit one. And then do you usually train in the morning or the evening? Both. Both. Great. Okay. Yeah. So, um ended surgery last surgery was in 2021 and then medications you were on um antibiotics and also probably some painkillers uh, you don't have to tell me specifically but any anything else uh yeah i don't remember the specific drug but um some anti-inflammatories as well okay 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 so when you've tried so first you and um i want to tie in for, for like the extra weight piece um, for people who maybe haven't necessarily gone from through a surgery per se. Um, I'm going to start talking a little bit here about the GI tract and the gut. So the digestive system, uh, because yes, while, and you mentioned here, Garrick, that you've, you've tried a lot of the different nutrition things. Um, so I'm going to talk about that really quick and then we'll talk about, well, not quickly, but we'll, we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about the, the other people who are in the extra weight category, but maybe not, um, haven't necessarily gone through anything that would kind of qualify underneath what I'm, what I'm about to yeah. talk about here. I know we're on a limited time, so it's good to just like how you would approach this yeah. as a practitioner yourself. Perfect. Yep. So yeah. when somebody has, um, been tried a lot of the like nutrition pieces they've already gone through the caloric deficit pieces they've already gone through the macros pieces they've already gone through a lot of those things while yes caloric deficits are effective usually for weight loss um they also especially when you're training a lot at the same time can create a lot of stress for the body and if we have also a lot more um or of other life things that are also increasing stress we end up um 
creating a situation for the body where it really struggles to lose weight because uh, you've now um, I, you you're starting to mess with the the hormonal balance of how the body is um, functioning. And stress and cortisol is, especially when you're in that state for a really, really long time, um, the last thing the body wants to do is is lose weight necessarily because um, if you are – like let's say this from the perspective of like uh, if you're – if you're going to be running from a lion and you're doing that a lot, like you, you don't necessarily, like you will burn fat because you, you're going to need it. It actually takes all of our blood and energy and it shunts it down into our, our uh, muscles. So we can continue to run and, and do all of that. But when we look at um, what the effects of, of long-term cortisol are on the, on the body, we actually tend to uh, eat differently. We tend to, well, now this is with a caveat because I also know that I'm talking to a lot of endurance athletes who need a lot of carbohydrates, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I, it does change our patterns of what types of foods we eat. And we might find ourselves gearing more towards, um, like our carbohydrates and fats and not getting enough of our proteins, which are going to be very, very important. Um, so yes, from the nutrition perspective, all of those things are true and, and necessary. And we, are important to look at. And I do find as a note for the people uh, who are here that are on the nutrition side, your protein is the, like one of the most important things that you can eat, <laughs> like get your protein mark, bar, you get those levels right. Uh, and then, you know, look at all of the other things from there. Um, now with the medications, how I would like look at this because you've tried all the other things is to me that immediately goes to what happened to your GI tract when you were on in your, your microbiome, the specific bacteria, when you went through those surgeries, because the, the, the microbiome, um, there have been a few studies and they're still looking at this, but when they, they had, uh, these were my studies. So I know that the, the application sometimes to humans is a little bit wonky, but we do know uh, that a lot of bacteria does dictate, uh, our weight and a lot of our health outcomes, but they, they took mice without, um, obesity and cardiovascular disease and diabetes, and they put, um, the bacteria from their, from mice with, diabetes and heart disease, uh, and obesity in from those mice into the mice that didn't. And the mice that didn't have those conditions, um, and diseases ended up getting those diseases. So it's very, very important that we think about what's going on in the, in the gut and the microbiome in relation to weight, uh, and weight gain and difficulty losing weight, especially when you've had exposure to heavy antibiotics or medications that may have shifted and changed what that microbiome looks like. Uh, and then the other way that I would look at this too, is that oftentimes, um, with surgeries, they're traumatic for the body. Like they are a lot. Um, and we undergo this like major thing. And while yes, we've turned off our, our memory because we had anesthesia and we were out for the whole thing, the body does remember what happens to it. And I say this because I also just went through a C-section a few, a few months ago and it's, it's a lot. It's, it's the, uh, these surgeries are, are big events for the body that take time to heal. And oftentimes when you see that your body is kind of struggling to get back to where it was beforehand, this goes back to that subconscious mind is, is there anything that needs to be healed and processed through that has to do with the surgery itself? So, um, 
and because, and I say this because there's so many people that go through surgeries, they go through accidents, they go through, um, significant like health or things in their life. And then afterwards they're like, well, the last time I felt, felt well was be before that, right. The last time I had, I, I felt this specific way, or I had this specific, um, way of, of being was before all of that happened. So addressing what, what your brain may have experienced during that time is while I know we're talking about weight and it seems like that might be so simple, um, there oftentimes, especially when you're not getting back to where you were beforehand, it's, it's important to look at what's going on there. And then of course, yes, looking at the blood work and things like that too, those are, those are going to be things to look at as well. But if you had low thyroid hormone, usually that means that we're erring a little bit more towards having a lot. Um, so more of like a, um, like a hyperthyroid versus a hypothyroid situation. So my question would then be, and this would be follow-up for you, would be to look at free T3, free T4. How are you converting your thyroid hormones? Um, because if your body is creating a lot of them, then my, my question is, do we have an issue as far as like what your brain is stimulating? to create a lot of it. So is it actually being used and converted in the cells? Uh, and then that kind of takes us down a whole other conversation that we, we won't have, but I um, had, a, yeah. had a, I had a bit of a kind of weird weight situation, probably like six years ago. So I think all this blood stuff and it all resonates with me, especially when it comes to like the cortisone and then high amounts of training. Yeah. Then I was also doing dietary restriction because I was gaining weight during the period. And I was like, yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> what the hell? And so I ended yeah. up getting a full, very expensive blood test and spent a lot with a functional medicine doctor. Um, we fixed a lot of the issues over time, but I was like actually estrogen and progesterone dominant. And my, mm. I was basically numb to cortisol because I've just been producing so much. My body yeah. stopped receiving it. But I was also hypothyroid. My thyroid was, my okay. TSH was like nine. So, um, okay. Eric, I think like when it comes to the blood work, you've just got to figure out, you know, with the gut, the blood work, and then also lifestyle stress. I think those are things that are probably all working in, you know, together. It's really, is it ever one thing? Is it Dr. K? In my experience? No. <laughs> Yeah, Which is why, like, I've collected as many of the things that I do now is just because, like, along the way, you realize, like, not only for myself in healing, but also with with my clients is like, there, there just there comes a point where so many people in your in your office are some of them got well up into a certain point, and then something's not working. So then you, you go, okay, well, like, what the heck am I missing? What's going on here? And then you end up with another piece. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's a never ending process. Yeah. What do you think, Garrick? What's next? You're gonna just Go get her all done. I think I'm just going to keep restricting my calories. <laughs> <laughs> That's been fixing it. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I think it's good for people to like be aware that there's resources past like your PCP. And because mm -hmm. they don't really know, especially if you're an athlete, like they always think it's calories in calories out, which is what they're taught in the one slideshow that they did when they went to medical school. They had two but, shows now. They fixed it. Oh, oh, two. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. One for restricting your calories, and one for macros. And then they teach you the food pyramid, where you should just eat grains. And um. <laughs> but yeah. So with you, uh, Doctor K, mm -hmm. for people who are, you know, struggling with something like this. So, what resources do you provide with them? Um. And then, mm -hmm. how would they want to? you know, are you a resource for them as well? 
Yeah. So, um, so what I do oftentimes with, so I can do the functional medicine side. People have to be in Oregon state though, in order for me to really dive deep into that, that piece of it. Um, so whether they travel here or whatever, that that's just a, a, a licensing thing that I have to work around. Um, However, if we're looking at like from a nutrition perspective and and you want to look at it macros, as you mentioned, or you want to look at, you know, are you eating enough and and does this make sense? Um, I offer like one off kind of appointments to kind of look at all of that and, and address fueling. And as I mentioned, because I asked about your um when you're training, your periodization of like when you're eating certain foods and carbohydrates and things like that are really important, especially if you're starting to notice kind of a lull or a fatigue point in the middle of the day, uh, there, there just might be a slight imbalance there that, that could be a, a slight adjustment. And then that, that lull tends to, tends to take care of itself. Um, and then really where I, where I, am taking a lot of my clients right now is in that is in that subconscious piece. So looking at, uh, you know, this is the other piece of the weight management thing that I, I've seen a lot is that um, it's like the body has decided that it needs to keep a puffy jacket on because it's 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 like its safety mechanism, like somewhere along the line, it's like decided that um, it's not it's not safe uh, for, for whatever reason, um, whether they don't feel safe inside of their body or there's something that happened that then has made them not feel super safe. Um, and so by putting on, uh, this kind of like extra layer, it's, it's like a protective mechanism. And sometimes all it takes is just addressing where that's come from, uh, and coming from. And then, and then that weight tends to kind of just melt, melt off. So that's, that's another way that I, I work with people is just kind of getting at it from a, from a, just a different perspective. And then they can also see a nutritionist or whoever else that's like local to them that um, can address the other pieces. Well, that there's just like commercial I saw where there's just like this little pen I can just put right in my stomach and it'll control my weight now. So like, why, why, why do yeah. I do that? I, the thing that I'm really um, interested to see, honestly, on the other side is that is the, uh, the side effects and what yeah. the, the impact these are going to have, because like a lot of them, I think one of the downsides of, of the, like Ozempic, I think is one of them. And, and some of the other ones are, um, that they, they will potentially take away some of your muscle mass. And as we age, that's the opposite of what we want. It's actually better for people. Well, okay. And this is the hard part, right? Cause you can't take a pill in order to do it. You got to do the work, but you, yeah. Um, you really want to build the muscle tissue and the muscle mass, because as we age, the more we hang on to that, the better we age, uh, our body does so much better when you keep that muscle mass on. Um, so, you know, I think, yes, in the short term, it might help with our cardiovascular system and our metabolic system, especially for people who are really, really struggling and they're just fighting against this like never ending cycle. But at some point, Hard work is going to have to have to be there, you know, and um, I know that we don't always want to do it because I don't always want to look at the hard stuff either. But, you know, yeah, if I want to get to where I want to yeah. go. You got to do it. Yeah, yeah. I work with uh, type two di diabetics all day and oh, I know a lot who have yeah, who have taken the Ozempic um, who use it. And then when they come off it, it, it just because their life habits don't change. Right. They That's... go right back to where they were. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's yes, 
Exactly. And this is the thing, right? And this is what I talk about from like the subconscious mind is that you have to become the person that then has the result that you want, right? So it's like the, we get stuck a lot in the doing of the, like, I've got to do that. I've got to do all of these things. But then when our belief systems don't actually believe that we can be that person, even though maybe you might be like, yeah, like I, like I'm going to do the work. I can do it. I've accomplished these things before. If you have some sort of underlying belief that doesn't actually believe that you can be that, like that can be you, anything that you do is, not it it's you're working upstream so when you are able to change the the per, like you 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 kind of have to become a different person you have to you have to own the being you have to own the the person that become the person first that believes that you can do it and then when you apply the doings then everything kind of shifts along with it um so if you you take something that is like a band-aid that cover covers up everything um you know we we oftentimes will just get the same result when that band-aid is taken off. Yeah. Lifestyle's got to shift and change. One of my favorite things to kind of relate training and anything, any challenge that you have to bring into your life, which is could be dietary, could be family, whatever. You just have to fall in love with the struggle if you want to see an adequate change because that is going to be tough. Everyone wants to get it done quick, fast, and in a hurry. Um, but those results fade quick, fast, and in a hurry if you don't do your entire ecosystem, which is why we're talking about your mindset, your mm -hmm. ability to take what's outside and change what's inside and how you feel about what's inside. So this ecosystem we're kind of bringing to all of the collective audience right now is just to, I think more, the biggest takeaway is just be aware, be very aware of what you're telling yourself, how you're feeling about what you're telling yourself. And I think that I'm a prime example that if you literally tell yourself something and you put it out there sternly and you believe it at the same time, like I've never had a situation not deliver based off that belief system. And you can call it religion. You can call it just making aligning your lifestyle to fall in line with those goals subconsciously. But if yep. you absolutely believe those things, like you wouldn't believe some of the junk food and fun that I have, but I also time it properly. And I believe when I'm eating it, like I know I need this fuel because I've got a six hour training day tomorrow and my body needs these reserves. So I think you believe yeah. your eating is good for you because of these facts, obviously you can't just fake it, but the same thing with all the, the negative things, if you block them out and you turn them into you know, like a weapon to use against the negativity, like you just kind of turn into some rubber and bounce all the crap back off you. I mean, it's all very simple, but it's very complicated within the current dynamics of our lifestyles. Yeah. I say it takes effort to create the effortless, yeah. the effortlessness that we want, right? You got to <laughs> put in the effort to create the effortlessness. So, um, yeah. It you got to spend a lot of money to be healthy these days. If you, if you do no cheap yeah. way about it, unfortunately, no, there's not. Um, but at the same time, if like, and I know that we, we, we see this all the time, but like the money that you spend now does pay forward. Mm -hmm. It does. It, it, you know, so I, I, yes, I know it's expensive and like, it's also expensive to be sick. Yeah. It's really expensive and you're not paying for it at that point. Usually somebody else probably is. Mm, potentially. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the U S mm -hmm. healthcare system is, is still, you know, there's a lot of free in there too. You just gotta be smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, we didn't talk a whole lot about PR, 
peas and all that stuff. But I, I think this is an incredibly valuable episode for mindset training, resiliency, and taking some of these negative things that you've maybe been aware of, maybe we're putting them in front of you that, that you're a little uncomfortable about, but it's an opportunity to grow. So Dr. K with your practice and, you know, do you want to, do you want to send people to your main website? Um, Dr. Is it Dr. Kirsten? Yep. DrKirsten.com is a great place to get in touch with me or um, head to, I'm, I'm on Instagram a lot. So it's the same at Dr. Kirsten um, with two eyes. I'm uh, <laughs> a weird one with the two eyes, not an A-I-R-S-E-I-N. And you've had a lot of, um, you've got a lot of talks on your website about, you know, you've got a great blog with you talking about why is strength training so important for runners? How how do yeah. your your golf swing uh, even? You know, I, yes, I have had some great interviews with people. It's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we've we're all over the board, but we've got something. And we're and actually, I have a lot of um, a lot of new stuff coming up as well. Burnout, overtraining, fatigue. Uh, also talking about just as you um, on this this topic of struggle. I, I know we're wrapping up, but the on the topic of of owning the struggle is also how do we also invite in some ease and flow there too. Cause you know, we yeah. want, we want a little bit of both. So we've got a couple of things coming up soon that um, are really designed to help people get introduced to what this like subconscious work looks like um, to, to then just see if it's something that might be for them. So lots and of stuff. Your book, the, the oh, 30 yeah. day reset, I didn't yes. bring that up earlier as I intended to, but it's a resource. It's a tool, it's a toolbox for daily tips. And most importantly, yeah. I think you can never have enough recipes. Like you just can't. No, you can't. Um, and I would say I did design it from an athlete perspective. Um, it's it it there's a each day and each week is well balanced as far as from a variety standpoint on the nutrition side, and you can easily tailor it to what you need. Whether you need more protein or more carbohydrates or fats or whatever it is that you need. Um, that is what it's there for and to help you get a lot more of uh, like the rainbow and gut supportive foods and things like that. So it, it and off, each day also has some really like simple and easy tips that maybe we if you need to go back to the basics for whatever reason, the, it's a great it's a great resource for that. Yeah, $25 on your website and um, I'll get my signed copy soon, I hope. Um, yeah. Let's see if I can. <laughs> Garrick will get his. Don't worry. We'll get him. Perfect. <laughs> but any, any final tips or words before we sign off today, Dr. K or Garrick? Goodness. Uh, if um, you managed, if you managed to sign an ebook, I would be very impressed. Well, sign. maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll be able to um, create like a printed copy and I'll send some your way. There we go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, any, any resources we will put in the show notes, this will be a video podcast also available on our Real Triathlon page. Dr. K, I didn't tell you that. Hopefully that's okay. Totally fine. No, it's, a, it's a good thing that I was, you know, all, all ready today. Yeah, I would have, <laughs> if I was like, if I was worried, I would have said yeah. that. Yeah, never worry. Yeah, don't worry. You know, Normally, I do have a three-month-old, so you never know. <laughs> well, they are asleep somewhere. Yes. Um, yes. If Nick shows up, if Nick shows up with his, with his shirt on, it's going to be a video podcast. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean, Garrick? I always have a shirt on, unless the uh -huh. scene is necessary to not have one. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll bring you on again, hopefully sooner than than we've had this. Uh, what probably at least this is almost almost exactly a year. 
Yeah, I was thinking it was probably close to it. Um, but yeah, we love checking in and thank you so much for all the work you're doing for athletes and for those in need. So if you can find those show notes, click on it, follow Dr. K and uh, thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. I got ish to do flying through the sky in my parachute dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one man mission trying to see it through.